Hey friends, I appreciate you tuning into the Deal Farm podcast, where I hope you feel at least mildly entertained and possibly even inspired to take big action towards improving your life and your business. On this episode, Kevin and I talk with Ray John about his very lucrative business, Flipping Infill Lots, which actually leads to a very pertinent conversation about generating profits versus building wealth in the way real estate investors should be intentional about managing the two. Hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, so I got Ray John with us. Ray, how are you doing? Good, how are you, Ken? How are you, Kevin? Doing great, thanks for joining us today. So, so pleasure to be here. Awesome, yeah. thrilled to have you, Ray. Hey, so for those of uh, of our audience that don't know you, can you give us just sort of a quick background of where you live, where you operate your business, and what sort of business you operate? So I do land flipping nationwide, uh, completely virtual. I have never been to any land myself. So I came to the country about 11 years ago. So I started to learn English by then. So by the fact that you can understand me a little bit, that'd be a miracle already. So. You're doing great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so uh yeah, but uh, I do uh land flipping uh especially infill lots. So infill lots are the if you drive around you see a lot of houses and in the middle of it there's a uh, land. That's what I do. I don't do really much of uh, rural land. So interesting. Yeah, now, how'd you get into that? Like what was it that sparked your interest to do infill? Um, it's actually a long journey. Um, I came to the country and then I became homeless right away about three months. Uh, and then I hear Tom Crow, uh, our mutual friend, he was like the bam, bam guy. Right. So oh, I was yeah. like, <laughs> right. yeah. I was like, uh, what is this guy? So I was in Hawaii. So I guess not too bad at being homeless. Um, Fit right in actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take showers everywhere. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, I tried to flip everything basically because I was uh, basically out of money. So I go to Craigslist, Facebook, and just grab those free stuff and sell them back on the market. So that I was very used to flip stuff. And then I tried to flip cars. It became very good. And then um, I heard about Tom Crow and he talked about wholesaling houses. Uh, I tried, I've been trying wholesaling houses in Hawaii for a long time, but I didn't have much of uh, success. I guess uh, that could be the market a little bit. And also I was not really committed. And then I was like, is there another way to do in real estate? I've been trying for so many years, not too much of uh, success. And then I find land and you can do land virtually from anywhere in any market you want, because, you know, what's on the top of the land, right? So sure. Yeah, that's how I get into land about four years ago. Four years. And so what yeah. markets were you targeting? I mean, you were living in Hawaii. I know you live in Jacksonville now. How, how did you identify what markets you wanted to, to target? Uh, I joined this uh, program. I paid this guy 70000 Uh He didn't teach me too much, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah. that sounds about like most coaching programs. <laughs> yeah. So, and, uh, but I, I try to, I changed his system a little bit and then I started to wholesale in Colorado. So there's an area in Colorado called, uh, called Costilla County. Uh, the, the land is super cheap, five acres for like 2,500 retail price. Wow. And, uh, I bought them for like a thousand and I sold a whole bunch of them in my first year, about 250 parcels in my first year. Wow. Um, and, God. uh, 
yeah so i've been doing that for a couple of years and uh, i was like there's a better way or this that's it because i couldn't do this anymore because i cannot involve the title company cannot involve the realtor the deal is too small uh and then i met uh another friend of mine actually tom introduced me to him so i i appreciate tom so much uh he taught kind of taught me how to do infill lots so that's another animal and you know just bigger 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 deals and you can evolve the title company and the realtor basically it will save me a lot of time and so gotcha. what so when you migrated to the more the infill lots where did you did you how did you figure out again what what markets you wanted to target and how did that shake mm-hmm. out so we don't really go to the uh, the the super growing cities like Dallas, Atlanta. Uh, those are like super hot, and everyone wants to go there. So I, what we do is we go thirty to ninety minutes away from those bigger growing cities. There's still a market for that because uh, if the major growing city gets too expensive, people moving out, mm-hmm. right? And uh, the builders start to build. Uh, we buy forty cents on the dollar. We sell it for ninety cents. Ninety cents on the dollar. Gotcha. Yeah. And are you are you currently targeting lots of different markets, or do you still kind of have one favorite one that you you like to gravitate towards? I mean, about forty five different markets right now. So, um, you know, four different different counties, about in nine different states. It's really fun. I mean, maybe you just uh, close your eyes and point your fingers on the map, and this is where I want to go, right? So, <laughs> very scientific. Very scientific. <laughs> yeah, there is a proven method, uh, uh, you know, behind it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but in anywhere you can flip land because uh, I checked. Uh, I was out of curiosity. I checked um, in the whole country. There are about sixteen hundred or seventeen hundred different counties. I want to find a county that didn't have a, a sold for land in the past three months. I couldn't find any. Any county has uh, at least one sold for land. Wow. Yeah, so it's uh, no bad or good market. It's a slower or faster market right now for land. Wow. Yeah. What's your So what's your primary technique in terms of uh, acquiring? Are you doing postcards? Are you doing calling? What are, what are you doing to acquire those suckers? Uh, post Postcard with, uh, with offer price. So whoever called me back, they're already motivated to sell. And I kind of reverse it. Um, we look at the sold price first for the last three months, and then yeah. we offer 40 to 55% on that sold price. Gotcha. So when the call comes in, we're very safe and we negotiate on top of that. So we're double kill, right? So sure. So you're putting and- a price on the postcard. When they get it, they know the price they're they're being offered. Correct. So they're if they call me, they are already motivated. And then right. I, I negotiate on top of that. You know, some people say, oh, they are paid in switch. I don't care, man. I just want to get it to deal, right? So- <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, hilarious. Uh, <laughs> well, you are, you're sort of weeding out the tire kickers. I mean, if they respond to yeah. a certain price, then yeah, you've got somebody that you know is motivated. And if they're motivated, chances are yeah. you can negotiate. Yeah, so there are only two types of people call us. One is uh, they're mo- very motivated, and the other is just call me and curse on me. And some of <laughs> some of them are threatening me. Say, I'm gonna go to your home. I said, come, 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 come. Make sure uh, you you talk, say go back to your kids and wife, right? So what kind of volume are you doing right now with that approach? I mean, it sounds like you're all over the place. You're, uh, you know, yeah. talking to so many different territories. I try to. Um, uh, mail more right now. I'm at about twenty to twenty five thousand a month. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. I talked to another family mastermind uh, member. His name is Will. He did a lot of volume in housing in the Florida market. Uh, I was trying to tell him, you need to mail more. And uh, I said, uh, how many you mail? I mailed 25,000. I, I told him that. Mm-hmm. You know, I was so very proud of myself, right? So uh, he said, uh, I mail about 150,000 a month. I was oh, like, wow. oh, oh, you're yeah, the man. best. You're better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah there's, it's all relative. There's always somebody that's doing more marketing than you are. That's just absolutely. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So 25,000 postcards in lots of different in states and counties. And what's, what sort of response rate do you get on that? I'm just curious. About one to 5%. Come on. That's yeah. really great. That's yeah, really that- good. Yeah, I talked to talked to him and talked to Will, and I said, uh, "What's your response rate?" That's he said zero point zero two five. So yeah. every four thousand letters, he get one calls. Uh, I get like one calls out of a hundred, maybe. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. That's a, I mean, one anything one percent over to me is gravy. That's that's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a very unique list that you're hitting too, though. So probably not nearly as crowded of a space. Yeah. Probably in each county is about two or three thousand letters. That's about it. Okay. And then once you get a yeah. response, what's your conversion rate to actually land in a sale? What's the conversion rate? Yeah. Like yeah. you're doing great on getting a response rate, then are you mm-hmm. able to convert most of those to deals? Yeah, it's a it's pretty uh it's pretty uh high, I would say. Uh, I got I already bought about twenty three land this year. Uh, you know, when they call they are pretty motivated and then we try to get even lower, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so here we are, the fir- first week of February, and you've already landed three. De- uh, you said twenty-three deals this year. Yeah, I already bought twenty-three. I haven't sold um, not too much because I didn't list it. Uh, I just want to keep it. Um, right now, this two years could be the best two years that we can buy. True. Yeah. 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 What? So, what is your primary strategy for selling? Because again, you're in all these kind of rural markets. What do you do to to get them sold? Uh so if I want to sell it, I just list it with by a realtor. You do okay. Just yeah, a, yeah. An agent and list it. Yeah. So when I find an agent, uh, the agent must be uh, sold some type of land nearby, and uh, I don't Google, you know, Atlanta land realtor. I don't do that. So if I well, bought a land in subdivision A, I want to make sure who sold land in the subdivision A. I contact them. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Um, so, somebody that sold something similar recently, right? Yeah. Correct. That makes sense. What a cool strategy, Ray. I love it. So um, you've been at this for a handful of years. Obviously, you've done a, a lot of volume. Is there one deal in particular that stands out as your best deal ever? Uh, the, all good deals are very good. Uh, what, but one particular one I remember was uh, last year, I bought a land east of Houston. There's a small island called Galveston. Um, and uh, I mailed an offer for 96000 uh, for that land and uh, the uh, seller called me back. I said, um, you know, when we negotiate, we say different things. Your land don't have power. And he said, no, nope, my land have power. And then I said, uh, your land don't have water. He said, I just installed the water. Uh, I said, oh, your land don't have septic. He said, I do on the, on the, on the lot. I was like, I'm running out of options. So <laughs> what, is, what should I say? And I look at the GIS map, the Google map. It's right next to highway. I said, I couldn't sleep on your lot. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Because there is a highway out right next to me. And he was uh, speechless, right? He cannot change the location. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I said, uh, I cannot do 96,000. I'm sorry. And then I stopped talking, right? So I forced him to talk. 
uh, silently. Uh, he said, uh, what's the best you can do then? I said, probably around the 70 range. I don't know. So I bought that land for 68,000. Wow. Uh, and uh, after closing calls, about 70,000. And uh, my realtor listed for 190. Uh, we sold it for 155. Holy wow. cow. Yeah. Yeah. Over And how long did that even take? Uh, just uh, about two months. So it and, uh, yeah, I was, uh, the, the whole time I put on that deal is about 20 minutes. Uh, I just talked to the sellers. That's about it. And made almost $90,000 in two months. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, funding land is definitely different than funding, you know, traditional single family real estate. What does that look like, especially in this deal? So how, how do you even fund it? Because it's, um, turnaround. yeah. So I actually funded it myself, but, uh, when I first started, I started with ten thousand. So <clears throat> a lot of people, uh, a lot of people say I don't have money, so I cannot start this. Um, the thing is, if you don't start, you always don't have money. You know, okay. if you start, you have a lot of money, right? Yeah. So uh, how do you get money? Is when you have a good deal, you have money. But the thing about land is uh, the bank don't like to loan uh, land out a loan for for land, right? So you gotta find uh, someone who actually know the deals. Uh, they can actually fund the deals. But you can definitely find some and uh, just join some mastermind and meet people like you guys. And you know if that's a deal or, or not a deal right away. Yeah. Right, so. Those are primarily all private lending or are you self-funding for any of these deals? I 100% self-funding right now, but I used to have other people fund my deals. I give them about 15% either on the profit or on the their initial investment, whichever is greater. Mm -hmm. So, so they, they know their money is safe. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Right, so, so you would yeah. cut, so some of the folks you would, you just cut them in on a, on the back end on like, look, whatever I make, you make 15% of whatever I make, as long as it's higher than like a 15% yeah. return on your money. Yes, definitely. That's interesting. Yeah. Did you ever find any traditional lenders, any hard money lenders, or was it always sort of that, that private lender that wasn't? Yeah, quite a yeah always a private lender for me, but uh, there's definitely companies that give a loan for land alone. Yeah. So maybe they can Google uh, land lender. Uh, there is some company that does that, actually. I'm sure there. And, and they're probably, you know, really low LTV, you know, 50%. You're probably putting, you know, 50 or maybe 40% into the deal yourself, I'd imagine. Yeah. In most cases. Definitely. Now, you've been doing this for a few years now. How, how are you seeing this particular segment of the market change uh, as you look ahead opportunities? And how's it changed over the years that you've been doing this? Uh, this, this year is uh, very slow. Um, I started to slow about November last year. Um, and uh, it used to be very good. We put the land on the market, uh, take a couple hours to sell it. You know, yeah. <laughs> right now, a couple of months, right? So uh some right now i don't really list a lot even i just keep it um so but the market is changed but the thing about the system our system is is recession proof because our offer adjusts with the sold price yeah. mm -hmm. so if the sold price drop we our offer job and we can even change the percentage maybe 40 percent to 30 35 percent right so mm -hmm. um and a lot of people panic sell right now so i see that uh, very often so there is always good for, for for us right 
it's always a trade-off, right? In the market, you know, they're either they're easy to, to buy or they're easy to sell. And so we've sort of transitioned to where it's <laughs> easier to buy than it was easier to sell, right? So we're sort of yeah. in the middle of that right now. Yeah. I'm curious. So on your postcard, you're you're putting an offer on there. You're, you're using some sort of automated valuation method on there. You're, you're clearly not, you know, taking 25,000 and analyzing them. So I'm, what are you guys using to, to figure out what that comp is and then what you're going to offer them? So first of all, I download the comparable list for the entire county for the past three months. And then I narrow down to subdivisions. So let's say there are a hundred, a hundred subdivisions in that county. And then I use that list to download the mailing list. So the one, the subdivisions didn't, didn't have a sell in the last three months. We don't even market to them. Oh, interesting. Uh, and, and uh, then we calculate what's the average sold price per acre for that subdivision. And then we offer about 40 to 55%. So that way we're extremely safe and uh, we don't, I don't want to guess I'm not that smart. Right. So yeah, <laughs> it's definitely working, man. What a great deal. I love the fact that, you know, you've only been doing this a couple of years and you're already pulling off 90, $90,000 rips. And in, in, after having a 20 minute conversation with somebody, that's pretty amazing. What advice would you have for somebody who's listening to this? They want to get into real estate, or maybe they're doing traditional real estate and they want to try this land um, specific niche. What advice would you give them? Uh, I would have two advice. The first one is just to start, right? So you're a content creator yourself. You know that sometimes you don't prepare 100% before you start it. Um, I create content every day. Sometimes I have no idea what I'm going to say before I hit that red button. Right. So, so what I do is I just record it and then I force myself to say something. And uh, as long as your content is good, people will be benefited. So just start. And um, I heard uh, someone said, all success come from good judgment and good judgment come from experience. And guess where experience come from? Bad judgment. Right. So you do it wrong. <laughs> Got to go do it. I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Do it wrongly first and eventually you want to figure out what to do. And the second thing I would say is uh, try to be focused. And a lot of people get it backwards when they do business and do investment because uh, investment is the way to keep your money and business is the way to make money. So when they do business, they diversify. I'm, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try land investing, multifamily. I'm going to try houses. And guess what? You're not going to make it because there are so many niches and you try everything. Business requires focus to make money. So you focus on one thing and uh, when you earn money and then you do the investment, that's the time to diversify. It's not time to focus anymore. You see all those uh, NBA players, sometimes they get broke. Why, why is that? Mm -hmm. Or some people put everything on FTX, the crypto thing, and they yeah. got busted, right? So yeah. when they do investment, they try to focus, right? Put every all the money, all the chips in one thing, and that thing goes away and you go away, right? So, you know, it's just do business focus, do investment, try to do diversify. I like that. Man, that is really, really good advice. And I like the I like the way that you sort of delineate, you know, making money, making profit in a business versus investing. Investing is more about, like you said, saving money, diversifying, building wealth, right? Those are those are really important delineations that I think get missed on a lot of real estate investors. Absolutely. Ray, this was awesome, man. Thanks so much for the time and for coming on the show. Best of luck in the, in the land flipping business. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Right, hey, thanks for care. joining us. <laughs> That's awesome. So what a great 
interesting guests. What are your thoughts yeah, on that, Kevin? Yeah, really, really fascinating. I'm glad that we had him on today. You know, and it, it called to mind something. He was, he was saying even there at the end uh, that the scorecard is different, you know, and he kind of highlighted that idea for people that are out in a salaried career job versus somebody who's trying to build a business. You know, as, as you talk, and he kind of highlighted that idea. The I, when you're when you have a job in corporate, you've built yourself a career. Oftentimes, you know, the scorecard is, hey, what's my salary? How, how much am I going to take home this next year? But when you're building a business, it's different. A scorecard is it's not just about, hey, what's my cash that's, that's going to be this next year that I'm going to take home. And he talked about it. It's about investment. It's about building for the future. Uh, did you pick up on that as well? No, I I loved it. I thought it was very insightful. And I feel like a lot of new investors can get kind of hung up on their P&L and how much money did I make this year, you know, and, and wholesalers, you know, can make a lot of money in a given year, but they haven't purchased anything necessarily. They haven't owned anything. And so their balance sheet hasn't necessarily increased. They haven't necessarily increased their net worth or haven't done any, any steps towards wealth building. Right. Yeah. Now, now some of our listeners are going to be very familiar with the PL, and some folks aren't going to know what that stands for. Walk us through what, what is a PL? What do you mean by that as a, as a business owner or, or somebody who's maybe in, in the accounting office? Yeah, sure. So, it's your profit and loss for the years, your P&L. And so at the end of every quarter, every month, you know, you take a look at how much money did I make? You know, I made this much in top line revenue. I had this much in expenses. How much did I actually net for this month or for the year? And that's how much money you made. And it's really that it kind of has a direct correlation to how much are you putting on your tax return? How much are you paying to Uncle Sam? And, you know, a lot of the folks in this business, they that's what they used to live off of. You know, hopefully you're making enough to put some away in savings as well. But if, if if you're in the business of flipping houses or the business of wholesaling houses, a lot of time you're just creating income to live on versus, you know, building wealth. Unless you're just making a crazy amount of money and you're putting cash away and you're reinvesting that cash, then yeah, then that's a wealth building strategy. Yeah, versus... and there's a difference, right? There's a difference between, you know, getting cash flow and building wealth. Those are two different concepts. Well, no, not necessarily. Actually, cash flow is if you're buying properties that produce cash flow, then you're building those are assets that go on your you know balance sheet. Yeah, yeah the, the cash flow itself is income, but a lot of times the cash flow itself is minimal. So yeah, that you know, some income might end up on your PL. Yeah. But the asset itself that you purchased, it sits on your balance sheet. And again, that's your balance sheet is about your assets and your liabilities. Mm -hmm. An asset being a property in, in this context. And so if you listen to what Ray was saying, you know, this year, he's focusing a lot of his effort on just buying and holding. He's, he knows that, you know, it's not really a seller's market right now. So as he's buying and acquiring these properties, he's perfectly comfortable bolstering his balance sheet by sitting on these properties and waiting to sell them at some point in the future. And then so, that impacts his P&L, right? So his profit yeah. and loss looks like it shrunk and shrunk, but it's, it's almost like a bank account for the future, right? So you can cash those in when he wants to. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I like the analogy of the scorecard. It's almost like you have two different scorecards. You've got your P&L. How much money did I make this year? Could be one scorecard, but your other scorecard could be how much did I build in net worth? Did I bolster mm -hmm. my balance sheet? What does it look like? And I feel like for real estate investors, and I've done this over the years, some years you focus on one more than the other. Some years you need the income. Some years you don't want the income because you know it's going to turn around and go to Uncle Sam. So let's, you know, let's take home as much as I need. Let's report as much as I need. It's funny. I'm in the process right now. I've got to, um, I got to renew the loan on one of my buildings. And so I'm smack in the middle of this right now. And it's, it's always this balance of, well, how much did I need to report, you know, to, to make sure the mm -hmm. banks are happy and then make them paying Uncle Sam. And how much do I want to just, you know, throw on the balance sheet? 
And a lot of times it's this, the, the decision, do I sell this property? I don't, or don't I sell this property? Should I just hold this property for a while and, and let those cash flows increase because rents are increasing, watch appreciation, you know, build it up, up, up year over year. But it's important for real estate investors to be intentional and understand the difference of these two scorecards and, and decide, you know, from year to year, how do, where do I want to focus my attention? Yeah. And Ray even mentioned, you know, that these, you know, just looking at the market, these next two years, he believes for land are going to be great years. And so yep. he wants to sit on, on quite a bit just because of the market, you know, and he sees those potentially appreciating greater than they have in the past. Right. So part of his strategy too is let's look at the market. You know, what am I sitting on and how, how can I best monetize these, whether that's now or later? Yep. Yep. And I bet he's selling just enough to, you know, make what he needs to make. And, you know, put, put some money away, but he's holding, he's holding, I, I think in his case, he's holding not just because he wants to build wealth, but because he knows that those suckers are going to appreciate and then he can sell for a profit a year right. from now or two years from now. I think, I still think he's probably going to cash a lot of those out. So, so you're exchanging equity for cash. Okay. He's probably going to turn around and take that cash and invest it in something else. So he's still right. building his balance sheet. Right. So what about somebody who's brand new, brand new, getting into real estate investing? Like they're, they're just dipping their toe in the water. They're starting out. You know, what are your thoughts on, on their focus on PL versus balance sheet? You know, early on, and you heard him talk about this too. He started with $10,000 and that's true for a lot of, you know, folks that are getting into this. They may not have the bandwidth to buy a property, but they can wholesale a property. So a lot of folks, that's a great place to get started because it's a quick way to make some cash. You yeah. build up that those cash reserves, and now you're in a better position to start buying properties that you can acquire and hold. And so it's a gradual process of, you know, maybe in the beginning, you're focusing on your PL, you want to generate profits. Mm -hmm. But then as you've done that, and you're making as much as you need to, you're making more than you need to, you've built some cash reserves, then you start to transition towards, okay, let's start building wealth, not just income. Let's watch that, ba that balance sheet increase year over year. And it's a uh, it's a gradual process where, you know, over time, I think that becomes more your focus on preserving and, and investing and diversifying your wealth. I think that was another good point that he made as well. The difference between focus and diversification, you know, in your business early on, maybe you're focused on wholesaling and you're, and you want to stay very focused on just generating income. But over time, as you've generated income, you want to start diversifying because now you're investing that income and you're diversifying and you're, and you're protecting that versus mm -hmm. just creating it. I think those are, I think it was a really good segue into this conversation that's pertinent for a lot of investors. Well, and it also just, again, highlights that there are so many niche markets. I mean, so many different ways in real estate that once you get started, you know, regardless of where your, your onboarding point is, and there's so many different ways to, to, to get plugged in and focused in real estate investing. There's just so many different ways to do it. There's another, you know, great example of infill with land investments. Yeah. I knew you were about to plug my book, Profit Like the Pros, weren't you? You know, there was a chapter in there, a chapter <laughs> in that book that focused on it. And uh, yeah, this was a great, you know, great way to, you know, uh, shed more light on the infill land investment. That was chapter what? Chapter 12. I, I know. I couldn't tell you. It was Jack Bosch, though. Jack Bosch was sort of the guru over the years that's, you know, taught land flipping. But to your point, you know, Profit Like the Pros is very much 25 chapters of different niches where people have been successful. And that, that's the great thing about this business. You could start in one niche and migrate to others, whatever suits your fancy, whatever you're interested in. There's just so many different ways to make money in real estate. Now, Ken, is it niche or is it niche? If you're a snob, I think it's niche. If you're just a regular dude like myself, it's niche. 
It's well, it's another way to make money, right? It's what it is. You <laughs> yeah. Pronounce it however you want. However hey, you one, other, yeah. one other question for you. So, you know, uh, red flags. You know, with with a PL, it seems maybe intuitive. Well, hey, the red flag is I'm not making a profit. I'm losing money. I'm burning through cash. Yeah. You know faster than I'm able to bring it in. So that, that that potentially can be a red flag, right? If my PL is dropping, it's like, wait a minute, I'm, yeah. you know, cash flow becomes a problem. Yep. In your mind, what, what's a red flag uh, for the balance sheet? Like what should be you, you know, what light should, you know, you know, shine bright on the dashboard to tell you, hey, you got a problem here you need to focus on. Well, so the balance sheet tracks assets and it tracks liabilities, right? So if, uh, if you've got a handful of assets, but you got a whole slew of liabilities, you got a bunch of loans out there, and, and you realize maybe you're in a per, more precarious position than you realized. If the market was to shift quickly, which we know a little something about that, mm-hmm. and obviously you got a whole bunch of loans out there and you don't have enough equity in those assets, then that should be a red flag that you might be in a little bit you know more precarious position than you realized. Yeah, being over leveraged. I mean, the idea of you, you, know, you want to use leverage to your advantage, but you get over leveraged and market shifts and you're in trouble. That's right. Yep. Well, and that's the other beautiful thing too about real estate is... If you've got assets that you can sell, sometimes you can do that to bolster your PL. Your PL might not be looking so good. All of a sudden, this year's not going the way you want it to go, and you've got some overhead, you got some expenses, and you're like, oh man, you just go over to your balance sheet and say, okay, which asset do I need to sell? Where do I have got some equity to maybe cover some bills on the business, you know, on the on the PL side of the business? Yeah. Yeah. And so one thing that we do, uh, just for our listeners, that Ken and I do with Red Barn Home Buyers is uh, every month, we have a, a day uh, every month where we sit down, we go through our PL, we go through balancing, and we look at that, or we, we just take a pause because it, with a, a new business or an existing business, you can get real busy. I mean, just get running real fast. And sometimes you just need to take a, a pause and step back and look at the books really well and, and figure, okay, what what's our best strategies we look to the next 30, 60, 90 days. Big time. Well, and there's one other, you know, financial document that we didn't talk about is your cash flow worksheet. Right. And that's also pertinent for real estate investors. If you've got a whole bunch of loans out there and you've got overhead and you've got monthly loan payments, you need to be projecting out so many months in advance of what does my cash flow runway look like? Um, you know, we do that on the construction side of the business every month as well. But that's for for businesses that are cash flow intensive, it's definitely important to understand. What money do I have coming in and where am I going to be three months from now? Yeah. Yeah. So for those out there, you know, whether you're, you're brand new, uh, real estate investing, whether you've been doing it a long time, so you're sitting on the sidelines wondering, you know, where to jump in. Just this idea of what's your scorecard as you set your goals, you know, maybe not just about the number of flips or a number of deals you do, but but thinking really intentionally about what is your scorecard? What do you, how are you going to define success this next year? You know, will not only help you keep out of trouble, will really help you more accurately determine, hey, was this a good year or not? Love it, man. Definitely pertinent for uh, folks that are in real estate and folks that are looking to get into real estate. Good conversation, Kevin. Enjoyed it, man. We'll see you next week on the deal. Another great week. Let's do it again next week. I agree. I'm in if you're in. Ah, sure. Why not? Let's do it. All right. See you, man. Friends, thanks so much for making it all the way to the end of today's podcast. If you or possibly a friend has any interest in learning more about real estate investing or opportunities with Red Barn Home Buyers, take a minute and head on over to redbarnhomes.com and check out our investors page or our franchise page, or just drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Can't wait to see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.